0: Let's pray, Lord Jesus, uh, we pray that our ability to focus would uh, be sharp. Lord Jesus, as we in this time endeavor to hear your voice, we open up your scriptures and pray that they would come alive to us, Lord God, that we would see and hear what you want us to, Lord, have your way in our hearts, do your work. I pray that you'd give me the ability to speak what I see. And then I pray that you give me the ability to see what I cannot speak. That each one of us this morning would hear the voice of your Holy Spirit. Be with us during this time. In the name of Jesus, I pray and everyone said, Amen. Amen. We're we're continuing to address during uh, these weeks the uh, characteristics or the content or or the, the kingdom of God because um, we are certainly living in a time uh, maybe all time has been like this, but it seems like it has intensified a time when uh, there's a significant amount of hopelessness and lack of peace and uh, and also we are realizing that maybe we have put our confidence, in the wrong places, in the wrong people, in the wrong institutions. And uh, God is bringing us back to our role as his saints in the earth. And so I have entitled today, The Seed of the Kingdom. And uh, probably the next three messages will deal with seed or planting of seeds. And so if you feel like you've attended a horticultural class, horticulture class, then you may have. Uh, but Jesus has once started it, so blame him. Uh, in a little bit, we're going to read from Mark 4. But what we're doing uh, largely is to identify the nature of the kingdom as God establishes his reign in the hearts of men and women. And that's the goal. Uh, too often, we the church, and I don't just mean this church, although we've been guilty of it as well, too often, we the church... Have been guilty of going out into the, into the highways and byways, going out into the fields, so to speak. And we have been guilty of going out to recruit people to our church. Go ahead, say amen or oh me. And we have, we have, our sole focus is to recruit people for our church. Uh, There's nothing wrong with you inviting people to church, but that cannot be our sole focus. I love it when God throws us a curve, and we see somebody come to Christ, and they say, "Well, yeah, I'm gonna go to that church down there." It's God's people, so we're out here looking for the reign of Jesus Christ in the hearts of men and women. It's His business what church they wind up in, not ours. Um, and so we're um, in a moment. We're going to read chapter 4, verse 26, but I want to give it to you in the Christian Standard Bible, and it says it this way, the kingdom of God is like this. And that's what we're interested in. What is the kingdom of God like? It's like this, he said, a man scatters seed on the ground. And so we have a role, we have a part in seeing the kingdom of God. When we say the kingdom of God come to the earth, we're not talking about a cloud We're not talking about some inanimate object. But we're talking about the reign, the ruling reign of King Jesus in the hearts of men and women. That is the ultimate goal. Those men and women who have accepted Jesus Christ into their hearts are the ones that's going to go to the marriage of the Lamb with us. And so the psalmist says it this way, whoever... Keeps going out weeping, carrying his bag of seed, will surely come back with a song of joy, carrying his sheaves. Some of you remember the old hymn gospel song, "Bringing in the Sheaves." Whoever goes out weeping, what, what is that talking about? Well, some think this, that David was writing or the Psalms. I'm not sure David wrote that psalm, but that he was writing about a farmer whose crops didn't turn out all that great, and that may be part of it. But for our purpose, here's what I want us to see. You remember I showed you a video several years ago of an atheist. I never can get them straight. It's Penn and Teller. Which one talks? Penn, okay. So it was Penn. That's one thing you can tell her never says a word. But Penn, I showed you a video. He's an atheist. He'll tell you he's an atheist. But he's made this statement. How much would you have to hate someone not to tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ? If you believed in heaven, how much would you have to hate someone to not tell them about it? That's an atheist talking. He said, I don't believe it. But if you say you believe it, why don't you tell somebody about it? Well, we can we can accept correction from an atheist. Carrying his bag of seed... We go out every day. God sends out his farmers, his army, out into the society every day. And by the way, very little evangelism takes place here. Y'all know that? I grew up, you know, in a church where every Sunday the, the, our pastor would get up and he'd preach a salvation message and give the altar call. And I'd look around. It was a small church. i look around and I'd say, well, I believe everybody in here is a Christian. You know, very few times that people would respond and Come on, let's teach us how to walk this Christian walk. I mean, I'm already saved. There's nothing wrong with preaching a salvation message. But anyway, I digress. We are sent out into the society, the culture every day, his people, and we carry with us a bag of seed. Now, that seed, is, it, it has various applications. Uh, for those people that you encounter who are hopeless, you have seeds of hope. For those people you encounter who have lost their peace, you have seeds for peace. For those people who have lost their joy, you have seeds of joy. You have it all. Why do you have it all? Because you know the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You don't just know who he is, but you know him. Big difference. And so I want us to imagine as we go about our day, whether it be employment or recreation or whatever that may be that we have got with us a bag of seed and we're sowing seed as we go. Where do you sow seed? In people's hearts. And the principle, and we'll close with this, this will be our last point. We sow, God causes the increase. Would you like to read that with me? We sow, God causes the increase. We got to get that right. And we need to do our part. God does his part. Sometimes we want to do God's part. Um, in Luke eight eleven, 11, in, in uh, explaining the parable of the sower and the soil, which we'll probably do next week, Jesus makes this statement. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seed is God's word. And so in all of these parables, we're going to see that the seed is God's word. And and now let me just hasten to add here and hear me, hear what I'm saying. If you're, if you're with a person who does not know Christ and you're sharing with them, if you just sit there and quote them Bible verses, you're not going to get very far. Now y'all know how much I love the Bible. Some people get on to me because I love it so much, but that's not, how you, you reach people. Now, I'm not saying that telling people Bible, verse, Bible verses is wrong, but don't just sit and quote Bible verses like a machine. And But meet people where they are. But let me tell you something. You carry with you God's word in you, in your heart. James says, receive the implanted or engrafted word in our hearts. And so as you encounter people, let the word of God be the order of the day. As you talk to people, as you share with people, as you tell them what's going on with you and what can go on. Tell people how they can have joy. You can throw a Bible verse in every now and then, but I'm just telling you, if that's all you do, most people, you're going to lose them. Especially if you're quoting them King James. The seed... Is God's word. we got a bag of seed, and it's God's word. And as we go out engaging with people, we want to engage with them in such a way that they feel a touch from the word of God. We sang this morning that Jesus is the word of God, and we want to share that with them. Now, we're going to read a really short parable that only appears in Mark doesn't appear anywhere else. Um, And so if you want to turn to Mark 4.26, if you haven't already, and if you would stand while I read this parable, it's just a, a very short, 26 through 29. And again, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, which goes like this. And he, Jesus, said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises day and night, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. You can be seated. So here we are. We're farmers. Everybody say, I'm a farmer. farmer. See, I, I grew up. Uh, going to my uncle's farm on a fairly regular basis. He was an hour away from us. It was about 200-acre farm, wasn't really large, but it had everything. It had every crop you can imagine, every livestock you can imagine. And so I had some exposure to farm life, but I would always go back into Panama City and, and be the city boy that I really was. But all of us are Farmers. And we're, we're seeing ourselves as going out with our bag of seed everywhere you go. You don't, you don't take your bag of seed and take it off. You don't take a break from your bag of seed. You've always got it. And by the way, it can be a simple message. You, you remember, I've told you, remember the blind man. They said, hey, tell us something about this guy. We, we think he's false. We think he's got a bad, and we think, we think, we think, we think this about this guy. And the blind man said this. He said, well, I, I don't know about all that. I really don't know. I don't really know the guy all that well. Uh, I don't know the answers to your questions. I do know this. I was blind and now I'm not. And sometimes that can be the testimony that you need. You, you don't have to have some theological explanation for people. You don't have to have all of the, all of the ins and outs and the Greek word and the Hebrew. You don't need all that. Just tell them you used to be blind and now you're not. And the reason you're not is because Jesus Christ. First, we're going to talk about seed time and harvest because it's always seed time. Now, Brother Charles Simpson, if you're watching today, I probably got this quote from you. I don't know. Once again, Charles Simpson is being plagiarized as often as the case. And probably a lot of my quotes come from Brother Charles. I don't even know it. So, Brother Charles, if you recognize these, this one says, All productivity in the kingdom begins with the sowing of a seed. All productivity. And you can substitute there the word, you can substitute the word harvest for productivity. This is what we're looking for. All productivity or all harvest in the kingdom of God begins with the sowing of a seed. This is God's plan. This is God's way. It's His method. He instituted it. He created it and He gives it to us. Nothing happens until a seed is sown. Seed time and harvest. The Lord promised to Noah in Genesis 8 that while the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Now how about that for a promise? As long as there's day, as long as the earth remains, as long as... Is the earth is here? We're going to have seed time and harvest. We're going to have cold and heat. I know today we got some cold. We'll eventually have some heat. And somebody said cold uh, heats better anyway. We have. We'll, we'll continue to have summer and winter. We'll continue to have day and night. None of that will stop. And he includes seed time and harvest in in our lives and in the sowing of the seed of the kingdom of God into people's hearts. It shall never. Somebody say never. Never cease. Seed time and harvest. Seed time, our part. Harvest, God's part. We'll get to that. Seed time and harvest. So therefore, the sowing and the reaping of seed is just as much a natural law as summer and winter or cold and heat. Just as much as we'll always have summer and winter, and just as much as we'll always have cold and heat, we, it, uh, sowing and reaping will always be a natural law. Now, I don't want to get too deep into these weeds, but the problem that we've had is that we've taken these verses on sowing and reaping, and we have, we have exclusively applied them to money. You sow, you're going to get rich. You sow, God's going to get You know, we've done that, and there's a certain amount of that that's good, and it's right. The principle works. But when we have exclusively applied these verses and these principles to the giving of money, we've missed a whole lot. Seed time and harvest. And so when God gives us anything, mercy or encouragement or grace, whatever, money, we should sow it as seed. We should sow some of it as seed. In other words, give it away. Give it away. As I, as I prayed about our offering this morning, one of the great gifts we have from God is a tangible means by which to demonstrate to God, to ourselves, and to mo- to money that it does not own us. Because if you can give some of it away, it doesn't own you. That's another topic for another day, but there's a green book back there on tithing if you're interested in what I think about it. And so I just want us to understand that we will always, until Jesus comes back, we will always be in a season of seed time and harvest. And by the way, these applications are both natural and spiritual. I think you've probably picked up on that already, that he deals with a natural principle, but it's applicable in the spirit realm, and that's really what we're after today. That's really what we're after. The life... Is in the seed or the life in the seed. We understand that the farmer in this parable does not make the seed grow. He, he, he says uh, in verse 26, it says, uh, actually, verse uh, 27, he does not, he knows not how. The seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. The farmer doesn't know. Doesn't make the seed grow. He doesn't know how. And when you and I sow seeds in people's hearts, it sprouts and it grows. And we don't know how. Okay. The seed has the secret of life and growth inherent in it, within itself. Is the next one that picture? Yeah, there's a pumpkin seed right there. Now, imagine... Now, yeah, that's a big picture, and you know pumpkin seeds may maybe a half an inch long. Imagine you've got a pumpkin seed in your hand, and you're looking at it, and you could pick any fruit or vegetable or tree, and you think, well, that's a future pumpkin. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like a pumpkin. It's way too small to be a pumpkin. But if in the right conditions, that pumpkin seed will become a pumpkin, or as little kids like to say, a pumpkin. It will become a pumpkin from that. How does that happen? You got me. But the secret of the life of that pumpkin is in that seed. You don't have it. I don't have it. Farmer doesn't have it. Agricultural people do not have it. Nobody has it. It's inherent in the seed. And guess who put it there? The one who created it. And after all the research by all the philosophers, by all the scientists, by all the folks who are trying to find out how, no one can tell us how that little seed planted in the ground will grow into something. Nobody can. They they try. They give you all kinds of explanations. They'll tell you that it will, but they can't tell you how. Only God can do that. In this parable, the the seed sprouts and grows while man is engaged doing other things doing other things in other places. So he's not involved at all. And the point of that is we don't need to understand how the seed grows. We just need to understand that it does. We don't need to understand what happens in somebody's heart when we've, when we've sown seed of the kingdom in their heart. We just need to believe that it does because you have nothing. You heard me talk about this. When you pray for someone to be healed, you shouldn't be, You shouldn't be excited when they're healed or, you know, you should be excited, but you shouldn't be proud when they're healed and you shouldn't be sad when they're not because you don't do it. You don't heal. I mean, you heal in the sense that you lay hands on them and pray for them, but the actual healing is done by the Holy Spirit. So you have nothing to brag about. I know you see people strutting around. You you have nothing to brag about if somebody's healed because you had nothing to do with it except praying for them. And, And if they're not healed, you have nothing to be sad about. You're not in control. Same thing applies here. We don't understand how it grows, just that it does. The Bible says, and I just read, it says in verse 28, the earth produces by itself. The earth produces by itself. There's a word there, by itself, it's the word automatos, or it looks like tomatoes. But it's it's where we get our word, obviously, you figured that out already, is where I get, we get our word automatic. It's, it's acting without the intervention of a, or assistance of another. You say, isn't God involved in this? Well, yeah, God's the one that put it in there. And he said, all right, I'm going to put this in here, and I'm going to put this inherent in the seed, and now the seed is going to respond to my word, and it's going to sprout, and it's going to grow, because God put it in there. It's a natural occurrence. And without human assistance in this parable, there's power for new life and there's power for growth. Once again, don't forget, we're talking about human hearts. We're talking about lives. We're talking about a bag of seed that we carry with us everywhere we go. You say, well, I'm not an evangelist. Well, join the crowd. I'm not either. I'm a pastor, but you don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a preacher. As a matter of fact, you will be more effective if you're not. Because when I, you've heard me, when I talk to people, they get religious sounding on me. They get religious voices and get, oh, my grandma, you know, my grandma. Okay, I heard enough about your grandma. <laughs> they do that with me, but they won't do that with you most of the time. Because you live where they live, they think. Like we don't. But anyway, that's another topic for another day. But without human assistance, there's power inherent in that for new life and growth to work in people's hearts. Solomon says some interesting things in Ecclesiastes. By the way, you should study Ecclesiastes. Don't don't skip it. Just because he was in a bad mood didn't mean he didn't have some good things to say. He says, just as you cannot understand the path of the wind... Or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb. There's some people today that I wish understood that. So you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. Say all things. You cannot understand what God's doing. You can understand that God's doing. But don't, don't hurt yourself trying to figure out what God's doing. Don't understand the activity of God. Then he says this. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another or maybe both. Plant your seed and then leave it to God. You don't know what God's activity is. You don't know what God's doing or how he's doing it. Plant your seed in the morning, stay busy in the afternoon, and leave the rest of it to God because you don't know. When you talk to people out there in the world, you don't know what's going to happen in that heart, and you don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, sometimes, hear me again, don't, don't misquote me on Facebook. Sometimes, let us see if I can say this word, evangelicalism, Who I said it, I think. Sometimes we have communicated to our constituents that we that God wants them to become high pressure salespeople. You ever had somebody come knocking on your door? Hey, I got this widget that you need. This is great. I'm going to show you how it works. Well, that's great. And uh, well, we'll uh, we'll think about maybe what what if I got you a good deal tonight? In other words, they're trained those people. God bless them. They're trained to never leave your house without a sale. Whatever it takes, however much pressure they have to put on you, however many deals they have to swing, however many false bosses they have to call to get a deal. You ever been there? They're trained to not leave the house without making the sale. Some of you had to run some of them out of your house, I can see. And sometimes we have tried to make kingdom constituents to be first call salespeople. And we've put pressure on God's people to say to them, no, when you, when you talk to those people, you better bring them in. You better pray them in. You better pray them into the kingdom and don't leave until you do. Be nice to let God do something every now and then. <sighs> Certainly, if someone's ready to pray with you, uh, they should do it. But, oh, Lord, help me. Too many times... Too many times we have, in a moment of an emotion, we have caught, brought someone to a place of emotion, and they've been all upset, and we got them to say some words after us. And we went and reported, Hey, so-and-so got saved. No, they didn't. They just said some words. Leave leave Holy Spirit something to do. Let the Holy Spirit, you you... And I cannot manipulate the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And without the conviction of the Holy Spirit, there is no salvation. So don't feel guilty that you go sowing your seed and you don't see a bunch of people coming to Christ immediately or changing their life or whatever may be the case. Don't feel guilty, but keep sowing. There's another place Jesus said now, you're going to start reaping. Where you didn't sow. Isn't that great? And the people, other people are going to reap where you've sown. Well, God, that's not fair. Well, I'll take you back to that last week. God's not fair. We don't need to judge by only what we can see. Don't judge by what you see with your natural eyes. When you're dealing with people, when you've got your bag of seed, and especially if someone that you see every day or regularly, don't judge by what you see or don't see in their lives because God's seed is working in them. And you can't do anything about it. There's, there's hidden energy working in below the surface in those people and in their lives I want you to understand if we are to make an impact in our world it will not be done through a political process it will be done by the sowing of the seed of the kingdom in people's lives consistently you don't have to become a preacher man or a preacher woman you don't have to you don't have to do any of that just be who you are and tell them you used to be blind and now you can see. You'd be, you'd be amazed how much of an impact that makes. Another thing that we see in this principle is that growth is progressive. This is something else we need to understand. Growth is progressive. He said uh, growth, in this case, is a natural progression of stages. Jesus said first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain. So there's a process here. There's there's a progressive prog- progress here in human heart. It doesn't happen immediately. There's a, there's a developing of people's lives and hearts. And again, we cannot manipulate the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but we must believe that the Holy Spirit is at work. Unlike us, and we need to, some of us need to do some more of this, unlike us, the Holy Spirit does not take a day off. He's always working and he's always working in people's lives and the work that he's doing in the hearts with the seed that you've sown of your life is progressive. First, you're going to see the blade, then the ears going to come out and then the full grain is there. And guess who's not in control of that? (laughs) Yeah, look in the mirror, look in the mirror. There's no instant maturity. There's no instant harvest in most cases. And you see, you walk up to somebody and you say, well, let me tell you how what kind of hope I have in Jesus Christ. And they say, well, I want that hope too. Pray with me right now. And you pray with them and they are saved gloriously. And you say, all right, instant. Nah, somebody else somewhere sown that seed. And you get, to, you get to be there when God creates the harvest. He gets to use you in that moment i hate to bust your bubble if you had one. You know, if you see a plant every day that you've planted, you can't see the growth taking place. You can't, you know, you, you could you went out there and measured it maybe, but if you, you see a plant every day, you don't really notice that it's growing and growing. Sometimes if you get impatient, you pull it up, make sure the roots look good. Well, they did. <laughs> They're no longer any good. You throw it away. It's imperceptible to us, the growth that's taking place, because we see it. But it's taking place. And we in the West are uh, addicts for expediency. I mean, how many of you stand in front of the microwave and pat your foot because it's taking too long? Expediency encourages shortcuts. Shortcuts. Expediency causes us to try to go around something and skip what God wants to do. We in our culture want to get from point A to point Z in 15 seconds or less. When we have to understand that B through Y are necessary steps to be mature, contributing citizens of God's kingdom. Let God do what God does in God's time. And don't try to rush it up. Again, you're not the Holy Spirit. That's the most, by the way, that's the most freeing thing you can ever do. Is realize that you're not the Holy Spirit and stop trying to be. Man alive. Let him do it. He's a lot better at it than you are, by the way. And then the final point, I alluded to it earlier, is that we sow. And God causes the increase. Very important. That we get this. It's God who gives the increase. We are simply those who plant or sow. And we're sowing with our lives. We're sowing with the words of our mouth. But we're also sowing with our lives. Psalm 40 says. He put a new song in my mouth. Many shall see it. Everybody say see it. How do you see a song? Many shall see it. And fear God. Many shall see it. And embrace God. So your life. Can be the testimony. For the word of God. Frank St. Francis of Assisi. Was the one who said preach the gospel often. And when necessary use words. Some people don't like that. And I understand why. Because the gospel is intended to be proclaimed. Sometimes when you. Proclaim the gospel with your life. Life. Then you, you develop and you attract an, uh, an invitation in someone's heart to start asking you questions. Hey, how is it that you can be this, have this much peace? And I know the, the stuff you're going through. I know the circumstances of your life. I know what's happening at home. I know what you're dealing with with your children. I know what you're dealing with. How can you have that kind of peace? Well, that's just like throwing up a softball, hitting it out of the park. If you can't hit that out of the park, you need practice. It's easy. Now, your life of the gospel has attracted these folks to your hope and to your peace. And now, Scripture says we must always be ready to give an account of the hope that's within us. If you're going to sow seed, you better be ready because you're going to get the question. It's God who gives the increase. First Corinthians 3, Paul writes, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Of course, this is in the context of a group of the Corinthian believers arguing over who they were they were disciples of Paul or disciples of Apollos and they were trying to draw lines and, you know, to uh, not understand some of that. But they were trying to, to have an argument over who they belonged to. And Paul's just saying to him, you belong to God. I mean, I, I planted some seed. Apollos came behind me and watered. And by the way, you water with the bag of seed. Apollos watered, but at the end of the day, it's God who gave the increase. The next verse he says, So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now, I, I hate to point this out, but God just said, We're nothing. That's what I mean. I didn't, I didn't write that verse. Neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters. In other words, be a part of the process. Be happy that God's using you. But understand that without God's involvement there will be no harvest. There will be no increase. You can't say, Look what I did. I got I led 25 people to Jesus Christ. Well, I hope you do. Most Christians, especially in America, have never led one person to Christ in their life. But you might have you might have sown the seed, but at the end of the day it's the work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts that produces the increase. Certainly God, we're the farmers, we're the sowers, we're the planters. We're the ones walking around With the bag of seed. And when we come to Christ. And we're born again from above. By the spirit of God. And we become a part of his family. And Jesus said. Unless you're born again. You can't even understand. You can't even see the kingdom of God. But once we get to that place. The equipment that he hands us. Is a bag of seed. Everybody. If you've been a Christian for 10 seconds. You got a bag of seed. That you can go sow. Into someone's heart. And life. And then allow God to bring the increase in those people. God does not give us seed to produce solely for our own consumption, but rather to be sowers of that seed. Once again, we have reduced church to today in the in the twenty first century to we've reduced the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ to what makes me happy. To, to the pursuit of happiness, making me feel good, and finding out what God's going to give me next. Now, if you've lived with God very long, you know that He blesses you and He gives you far more than you deserve, and you you're just you're overwhelming, you're overflowing with the blessings of God. But when God gives us seed to sow, it's not just to consume it upon ourselves, but to sow the seed. 2 Corinthians 9, Paul writes, he who supplies seed to the sower. Did you notice who God supplies seed to? The sower. And bread for food will supply and, watch this word, multiply. Not just add to, multiply exponentially. Your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. How about that? If we sow, first of all, he gives seed to the sower. Is there an implication there that if we're not going to be a sower, are we going to get the seed? I don't know. I'm not going, I'm not going there. But I will say this, that God will multiply the seed that you have for sowing and increase your harvest of righteousness. Man, what a great connection. Harvest. And the last verse of the passage that we read sums it up when Jesus said, when the grain is ripe, then comes the harvest. When the grain is ripe, then comes the harvest. When will the grain be ripe? When God has done his work. When God has, has begun the process of increase and harvest. That's when the grain will be ripe. And that, he says, he'll put the sickle to it. In other words, there's a harvest. We want to see a harvest. We don't want to just see a harvest to fill up blue chairs. I'd love for all these blue chairs to be full. But we want to see a harvest of the rule and reign of Jesus Christ in the hearts of men and women wherever you go. Matthew, well, the, the, what we usually call the Great Commission, Matthew 28, go and make disciples. There are many folks and many people who believe that the, the, in, the, the wording there could be more accurate if we worded it this way. While you are on your way, make disciples. In other words, wherever you go, wherever your life takes you, wherever the path of your life brings you, whether it be, again, a place of vocation, a place of recreation, a place of friendship, whatever it may be, wherever your life takes you, and sometimes God will say, go here or go there. Wherever life takes you, have your bag of seed ready and sow. And so wherever you are. And then leave it to God. Leave it to God. That's our problem. We want to pull it back up and make sure it's working. God knows what he's doing. And we will sow the seed of the kingdom into a world. What would would happen if every person who named the name of Jesus Christ just in America were to go out with the mindset of sowing the seed of the kingdom into people's hearts and lives through various methods? What would happen to our society in our culture. I just read the other day, I may get this wrong, I read the other day of, a, of an abortion doctor who saw a video of an abortion and immediately stopped. Immediately renounced what he had been doing And he stopped performing abortions, never to do it again. What would happen if that parallel would happen in people's lives? And all the things that concern you and all the things that concern me about our world and about the people in our world, what would happen if the seed was sown in their heart and God in his time and in his way caused that seed to sprout and to grow and to produce in their lives? What would happen? I'd sure like to see it. How about you? Stand with me.